Records are made to be broken, right? Well, that was Alan Fisher's plan, an Irish chef based in rural Japan, who has now set a new record for cooking non-stop by more than 24 hours. At his Irish-themed restaurant in Matsui, Fisher cooked for 119 hours and 57 minutes, unseating the previous Guinness World Record holder, Nigerian chef Hilda Bachi. Bachi cooked for 93 hours and 11 minutes earlier this year. As part of the cooking marathon, Fisher peeled, get this, 300 kilograms of potatoes. He made 357 kilograms of soda bread and 3,360 portions of food. I spoke to him earlier about how how he managed to stay awake for all that time, but started with why he decided to do this. Um, there's a few reasons, I guess. Uh, I guess that the top one would be just through the pandemic. There was um, it's just a very frustrating time. I, I can't imagine it's just myself. Anyone in the probably a hospitality industry will will relate to this. It was just the the stop start opening and closing. Just felt like I was in survival mode for for several years, and it's difficult to run a restaurant that that at the best of times. So. Um, I kind of navigated it, it through actually just uh, from here in Japan the the situation was still kind of lingering with the pandemic through until about March and April this year so I, I navigated it well until maybe summer last year when Omicron hit and, and that's when I really started to I two stew houses one in Tokyo one in Matsui and I'd moved to Matsui to grow our online store our frozen food business mm. and I just the restaurants were I was just hemorrhaging cash and um, my own money my own savings and I got to the point where I needed to take out a uh, pandemic loan just to pay the business expenses just the cost to fix costs without having any certainty about when things might reopen so that that kind of negativity stayed with me um as as things started to open up as like i i you, you work so hard to get get a few steps ahead and then i had to take five steps backwards so um i wanted to channel that negativity instead of carrying it around just do turn it into something positive and and uh, that's when uh these guinness world records became a channel channel for me to do that you know and then it's a good way to share irish food and, and share our story here in matsui when you decided you wanted to do this how do you go about creating a schedule or that roster how, you know how do you fill that time well yeah it's just step by step you know the, the, the first step was just to make the application um so now that the records are made to be broken so if anyone listens to this and takes inspiration go for it you know this <laughs> like I, I all i wanted was just to, to be a whole of a one day so if anyone wants to go out and do it <laughs> I, I wish them all the very best of luck in the world so um once you get the guidelines from guinness that's your next step you, you'll see straight away that you need to do the pre-approval for several things like so i remember i spent several weeks documenting all of the recipes and put i listed up all the foods that i've made over the years if you imagine during the cooking marathon, you have many people here uh, and at different times, mm. you, different things are required. So you can only work within the recipes that have been approved by Guinness. So I wanted mm. to have a little bit of flexibility. And what I mean by that is I broke the 42 recipes into several categories. Ones that take a long time, ones that take a little bit of time, ones that can be made very quickly, and then the really tricky ones. Like So for example, we had like uh, roast beef or we had an Irish breakfast stuff like that that like no other several items on one plate they're a little bit tricky when you have to constantly have two items cooking so I broke them into that sort of um, uh, those categories and that's how I adjusted so little things like that you have to you have to prepare for get approval and then the video evidence then the, the volunteers I got the I requested I made the application to the Guinness World Records and they sent me the guidelines but on the very first line it said um hot drinks making, 
barbecuing and baking are not included in this record. So a big part of our story as well is the baking. So our food is just basically traditional Irish food, soups, stews, homemade breads. Like, for example, we don't sell fish and chips or anything. Mm. It's, 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 it's soups and stews, homemade breads, mashed potatoes and so on. So I said, I can't tell our story just with the cooking. So I applied for the baking record as well. So, um, yeah, we actually did the, the, the baking marathon first. So I did, I, I did soda bread. I hand kneaded soda breads for just under 48 hours, four different types. And Irish oats, Flavin's Irish oats, multigrain, uh, Flavin's Irish oats, multigrain, plain, and also a pecan and walnut soda bread. So we made about 481 of them or 86 of them, I can't remember, uh, over 48 hours. And then that, that finished. Uh, and then I took like a 31-hour break and then I came back and that's when we did the cooking. And the cooking, we did 40, I think we, we registered because you need to get all pre-approval from Guinness of the equipments, the ingredients, your human distribution plans, any food wastage, so they won't accept it. What do you do when you get tired? Because of course fatigue is going to set in. So over the 119 hours that you were cooking, which ends up, which is the equivalent of something like 4.7 days, I calculated. What do you right. do when you start to feel like, oh, I think I'm going to fall asleep? Well, yeah. So if you imagine, so the first the baking attempt was for just under 48 hours, mm. and then um, I was kneading constantly for that. I was hand kneading. I think Wendy was using a mixer, a kitchen aid. I have the same one actually. It's a great for the kit in the kitchen. In the kitchen, but if you were to make bread dough with that, I'm only going to make one soda bread per hour or something like that. Mm, so mm. we queues of about a thousand people going out the door. So I was like, I better just keep doing it. If I make it by hand in a large bowl, I can make four to six uh, per batch. So that became a more physical challenge in terms of standing. I was standing um, for about twelve hours. The first twelve hours of the baking marathon. And um, I, I really started to worry if I'd be able to keep going because my back was getting very, very, I'm six foot seven. Um, oh my gosh. And it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was quite tough on, on my back. I'm 41 as well. So it's not like, uh, like I've had back issues before. But I, I realized that um, every time I make a batch of soda bread, I could, as I wash my hands, I could sit down right. just as I washed my hands. So that became a, a way to just to ease the Have pain on my back. So the, yeah, so then, then we finished the, the baking marathon, which is 48 hours. I take a 31-hour rest, and then I come back, and we start the, the cooking marathon, which is targeted for 120 hours. So um, I remember I got approval from Guinness World Records to sit down as I was peeling the potatoes. So it was mm. about 300 kilograms of potatoes I peeled. And I was kind of looking at that in the nighttime when there isn't as much people around looking for food, then I would, I would increase the volumes I would make. So I'd make maybe... Uh, 50 liters of beef and Guinness or I'd make uh, something along those lines a huge volume so that it would take maybe seven or eight hours it would take the whole night time to cook and then I could peel potatoes at the same time so that that became something to look forward to every night I'd be like oh I'll sit down I'll peel, I'll sit down, I'll peel some potatoes <laughs> get to peel 300 kgs of potato yeah yeah it's like oh I, I can't wait to peel the potatoes tonight and you hallucinated at one point yeah, that, that's it. So uh, as I as a, the event uh, continued in the, on the third and fourth, fifth day, you know, you're really starting to get sleep deprived. So um, as I started, I would I, I found it really very difficult to peel the potatoes because I would sit down and within a couple of seconds, I could feel myself drifting off, especially as, as you just get into a routine of just peeling a potato. I, I, I could just feel myself. It was like hypnotic. Yeah, I would just feel the rhythm. Myself, uh, but yeah, yeah. So that's when I got a big bucket of ice. 
I put it out on top of one of the freezers at the back. And every time I, I before I would start the potatoes, I dunk my head in the water. And then I could peel potatoes for about five minutes or something like that. It was crazy. Yeah, when you think back on it. Torturous techniques. Um, yeah, that's it. it. Was yeah, it was uh, well, that's it. it. Was only way. Otherwise, I would have fallen asleep. Yeah. yeah. And so, as you're cooking all this food, it's also going out to the public for consumption. For yeah. free, yeah. As it's going out, so we we set it up so that uh, we had two witness tables beside the kitchen where the witnesses would monitor what's happening. They would weigh all the food. We had whiteboards as well, so we'd have uh, four different whiteboards. Whenever I would start a new dish, we would document on the whiteboard the name of because the, the name of the dish is the name that has been registered in the file by Guinness. So we'd mm. say item one. Uh, Irish lamb stew starting at one hour, 10 minutes, blah, 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 something, something like that. Um, and then when that we'd weigh that, when we'd portion that into the containers, or we were all using like paper takeout containers and stuff. So we would put that into the to containers. We'd, we'd have a weighing scales there. We'd weigh that. We'd take photographs as it was being weighed. We'd write down the weight of the item and how many items were, were made. And then we'd write what time it was distributed. And then it would go out in the hall of the shoe house. We had uh, two tables that we set up as kind of like a free food buffet. So whenever food would go out, We'd get it out there. We had we had two timers. We'd have a timer in the kitchen, a timer on the on the buffet table that were synced. So as you took a photo photograph of the food when it was distributed, it was the same timer as the kitchen. And then uh, once the food that photograph was taken, it was good to go. Customers could take it, take it home, eat it in the shoe house or whatever they wanted. And so that was three hundred and fifty seven kgs of soda bread. More than three thousand three hundred portions of food, and all that went all gone. Yeah, wow. actually, I, the one I was worried about was the soda bread. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's a there's a Japanese company that imports Irish cheese, and I reached out to them. I said, "Look, we're doing these against world records, and and like I, I've got the, the, there's going to be a lot of soda bread. You know, and I don't, there's only so much soda bread people can eat. So I'm trying to make them a little bit more interesting. So I bought a bunch of rhubarb, and we got uh, we got about sixty kilograms of Irish white cheddar. And so we were giving that away for free as well oh, wow. um, with the soda breads. And to, to, my, to my surprise, this, I, couldn't, I couldn't make the soda breads quick enough. As soon as they would go out, they'd be cut in portions. There was queues <laughs> of people going out the door. And then um, it was the same for the cooking. Yeah. And it, it was just it, it, a lovely thing. A lovely thing. I'm 9,000 miles away from my home. So to, to see so many Japanese families coming in, and supporting you and wishing you well. It, it, like, it's nice to be part of the community. Mm. And it's it's a responsibility that I don't take lightly. So um, it's uh, going forward now. It's, it's yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm part of the Matsue community now, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and food's a great way to bring people together, isn't it? Yeah, especially, I remember there was, I remember there was a lot of Brazilian customers as well. Oh. And, you, you know, you're laughing and joking with, like, there's an Irish man in rural Japan laughing and joking with some Brazilian peoples. And we, we both don't speak Japanese or Portuguese or English. So, yeah, food is a great connector, isn't it? Like, everyone needs to eat, you know. Now, that was Alan Fisher there with Polina Lau. 